You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron, live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Greek's Gridiron. I am Ethan Haristadoulou, and today, as we do every Thursday, we are diving into picks for week number three of the NFL. I went 11-5 last week, so I would say a pretty strong outing for me in week number two, looking to at least hit the same or maybe even do better this week. So make sure you comment down below. Give me your picks for this week. Do you disagree or agree with some of the decisions I'm going with here? But remember, I'm no betting expert. I'm just picking my winners, giving you guys some score predictions, and letting you know my thoughts on these matchups. So we're diving right into it, beginning with the very first game of the week tonight, Thursday Night Football on Amazon and a reminder, if you didn't know this, you can watch those games on Twitch. Twitch getting a free plug here, but it is an Amazon-owned business anyways. You don't have to own Amazon Prime to watch these games. They air on Twitch. So just go to twitch.tv slash Amazon Prime Video, and the game is there for you to watch for free, in case you didn't know that. But that aside... With the actual game itself, the New York Giants heading into San Francisco to take on the 49ers in their home opener, minus Saquon Barkley. You're also missing starting offensive tackle Andrew Thomas as well. Rondale Robinson is hurt right now, and he's questionable to play. Aziz Ojalari is already out for the game. There is a lot to be concerned about. And that's just some of the some of the names that are on this injury list for the Giants here. Whereas the 49ers come in, they're relatively healthy. Brandon Ayuk is questionable for the game and Ambry Thomas as well but beyond that I mean they are a healthy roster they are firing on all cylinders right now they've been putting up points every single week to this point so far with averaging about 30 a game I don't really know how the Giants pull out the win in this game here without Saquon Barkley and all these injuries that they're dealing with and to be honest with you seeing the game right now where the spread's sitting at minus 10 and a half for the San Francisco 49ers uh, I do think that something like that is potentially possible so there's my thought as far as the spread is concerned but I'm gonna pick the 49ers for the victory in this game here I just have a really hard time figuring out how based off of the Giants performance in six out of eight quarters this season how they plan on matching what the 49ers can do this week I have them winning 32 to 20 in a pretty comfortable victory here and I I honestly could see it being even uglier. Like, and I really hate that for the Giants, but with just so many injuries and you're losing Saquon Barkley right now, putting all the weight on Daniel Jones' shoulders for this offense in a defense that has been like solid, I would say, at best, but has also struggled when in, 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 I would say, six quarters out of the eight that they've played so far this season. I just don't really know how I could go with the Giants in this game. So give me the 49ers, 32-20, to 20, pretty comfortable win for San Francisco in their home opener. Next game we are looking at here, diving into the Tennessee Titans going into Cleveland. Two teams that are actually both dealing with a fair amount of injuries themselves. The injury report's pretty long for both of these teams here. Cleveland Browns are favored at minus three and a half on this one here. And I can kind of see it, especially being at home. It is good for them. They ultimately lost a pretty tight game this past week against the Steelers, where they also lost star running back Nick Chubb. I'm really, really concerned about this offense right now. And I already was prior to this week's matchup and what was happening, uh, what had happened, excuse me, to Nick Chubb in the game last week. I just don't know with Amari Cooper currently questionable right now. Your offensive tackle, Jedrick Willis, is also questionable. A couple of guys on defense and 
including Anthony Walker and Zadarius Smith. There are a lot of things to be concerned about. But then you look at the Titans, and you kind of have the same issue here, where you're dealing with injuries on both sides of the ball. Amani Hooker, Harold Landry on defense, and on the offensive side, Peter Skaronsky is also dealing with an issue right now. Derek Henry is questionable as well. There's just a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball. Both of these teams have kind of struggled offensively. The Titans did do a good job getting a big victory last week over the Chargers, so there is that in overtime, but I'm having a really hard time making a decision on this one. And I mean, when you look at just what both of these teams have done offensively, they're not super inspiring. I mean, as far as points scored per game, you're looking at the Titans at 21, the Browns are at 23, and minus their running backs, if, let's say, hypothetically Derrick Henry doesn't play, and now you've lost Nick Chubb, they did go get Kareem Hunt to try to mitigate that loss, but you look at that, I would assume that you're looking closer on the lower side of those averages, maybe underneath them. Um, it's going to be an ugly game offensively. I think this one's going to be a, a big defensive battle, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to maybe who forces the most turnovers here. And even though I'm saying something like that, knowing that Ryan Tannehill hit three interceptions, there is the possibility that Derrick Henry does play this week. So I think I'm going to bank on that and I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans for the victory here. A very tight contest. This is one that I am not by any means certain about, but I have the Titans winning 21 to 17. Lower scoring affair. I do not expect it to be a runaway by either side. This is one that I could see either team pulling out and being victorious here. So it's not like I'm sitting here saying that this is a sure thing by any means, but I'll take the Titans on this one. Next matchup, we are looking at the Atlanta Falcons heading over to Detroit to take on the Lions. And this one here is a really interesting one because you have a Detroit Lions team that offensively has been looking good the last couple of years. They've continued it into this season as well, but they are dealing with some injuries right now, especially on defense. CJ Gardner-Johnson. Massive pickup for them this offseason. A guy that really felt like he was carving out like the heart and soul role of the team. He's gone for the year, at, or at least for the time being. I don't know if it's the whole year, but we'll see how long. Cornerback uh, Emmanuel Mosley, also dealing with an issue right now. Kirby Joseph, also dealing with an issue right now. Both of those guys listed as questionable. Running back David Montgomery is also questionable right now. That's a tough blow. Obviously, you have Jameer Gibbs to step in, but still, David Montgomery's been looking really good for the Lions here. Josh Reynolds, who has been a massive piece to the offense through two weeks of football, has also been dealing with something as well. He's listed as questionable. The laundry list of injuries is kind of crazy for the Lions right now. Whereas the Falcons come in here, linebacker Troy Anderson's questionable. But other than that, they're looking really good. They're really healthy. The Falcons defense has been incredible through two weeks. I have not expected even the slightest of what we've gotten out of the Vikings. And I've been thoroughly impressed with what they've been doing between last week and the first week of the season. Very, very impressed with everything that Atlanta has done. And I kind of feel like they're coming to Detroit to play spoiler. So I am going to go with the Atlanta Falcons in the victory here. I think with the injuries mounting on the Detroit Lions defense right now, it gives the opportunity for the Falcons to maybe play a little bit better in terms of passing the football. That has been kind of a struggle for them. They're 28th in the league in passing. But with the amount of injuries that they are dealing with in Detroit in the secondary, I think that there's a possibility maybe the Falcons could take advantage of that. 
And on top of that, Falcons run heavy team. That's a matchup I'll be watching is the run defense of the Lions against the Falcons because obviously the Falcons love running the football here. We get Bijan Robinson versus Jameer Gibbs this week, especially if David Montgomery doesn't play. But I do think the Falcons have a shot to take advantage. I have them winning 26 to 23. Tight contest. I think it could go either way, but I'm favoring more the Falcons at this moment. Next game, we're diving into Saints taking on the Green Bay Packers. This one's going to be in Green Bay. And I've got to say, this is another one of those games where I'm kind of a little bit torn right now. Despite the Saints coming into Green Bay, Packers are only minus two favorites in this one here. Usually get three points for being the home favorite. But the Saints offensively, while they've struggled, it feels like they're kind of figuring out a rhythm. They did look... I would say solid last week. And there were some moments where it was just like missed passes here or there that if they can connect on those, this Saints team could be like be the team to be in the NFC South. And what's crazy is we're talking three teams, two and zero in the NFC South right now. But I do think in the long run, the Saints success is probably the most sustainable just based off of veteran leadership at the quarterback spot. And on top of that, you have a litany of skill players and a guy in Alvin Kamara, who's currently not playing for the team. But that all being said, I do really like the Saints in this matchup here, especially defensively. For what it's worth, the Packers have been putting up a ton of points this year, but it's not necessarily because their offense is moving the ball super efficiently. It's just because it's been an incredible performance by their defense. They have zero turnovers this year, which is obviously a huge plus on the offense, and the defense has been able to force takeaways and limit what teams are doing to try to get themselves into the end zone. It's really coming down to just strong, strong defensive play and playing good, clean, sound football on the offense. And I've seen even some people say that the Packers are due for a game offensively where they kind of melt down. They haven't done that yet, but with so many young players playing right now, the fact that they've played so well and, you know, turnover free, it's kind of something that, like, how long can it really last? And and I kind of understand where they're coming with that. But all of that being said, I do really think that, It's going to come down to the quarterbacks in this game because both teams boast really strong defenses and both teams have a lot of talent on both sides of the football. But I do think that experience airs more on the side of the Saints. Obviously, I'd probably give like the head coaching matchup to the Packers, but the defense over there in New Orleans is really strong. Uh, There's a handful of injuries of guys on the Packers roster that are currently listed as questionable and important players at that David Bakhtiari, Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, Rashawn Gary, like there's a lot of guys on there. So just slightly concerned with all that as well. I think I'm going to go with the saints on this one here, 24 to 21 victory tighter contest. I do think that maybe we finally see the first turnover from the Packers offense here forced by new Orleans. And I think the saints come away with a big victory. Next up, we're looking at the Denver Broncos taking on the Miami dolphins This game right here, I think, has a potential for a fair amount of points, uh, but it really comes down to is what we're seeing from Russell Wilson, especially last week, which I would argue was probably Russell Wilson's best game as a Denver Bronco to this point in the first two years that he's been there, uh, if they can just hang with the Miami Dolphins. I'm a little bit concerned about the Denver Broncos defense now because through two weeks, it has not looked nearly as dominant as it has the last couple of years. And I think that's just because of roster turnover and, you know, you get rid of a guy like uh, Bradley Chubb last year, which I obviously I know you tried to mitigate that loss with bringing in. Randy Gregory and like there's guys like Nick Bonito over there you have a really solid group of guys over there but I just think the roster turnover and the the fatigue of not having a great offense might be starting to catch up don't get me wrong Broncos put up 30 33 points last uh last week but it 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 was off of a massive Hail Mary tipped play you take that away and you're only looking at about what what is the number there 20 
because they went for two, so they only got six. So you're looking at 27 points. So number gets inflated a little bit off of a very lucky bounce on a Hail Mary throw. I think that if the offense can keep up, the defense can probably progress itself back to more of its top-end ceiling potential, but I've been a little bit surprised with what we've gotten from Denver's defense, whereas when you look at Miami, I mean, through two weeks, yeah, they struggled a little bit against Bill Belichick's defense last year, but what offense, or last week, excuse me, what offense doesn't really struggle with the Bill Belichick-led defense, especially this season? I think the Patriots' defense is set to be a very good unit, but they still managed to put up enough points to get the victory last week. I just love the consistency we've seen from Tua when he's healthy in that Miami Dolphins offense right now. I think he is making a strong argument to push himself into the top five quarterback conversation. And with averaging 355 passing yards a game right now, I don't know if the Broncos can hang with that. I really do not. And on top of that, like you look at the pressure numbers from Denver. Dolphins have only allowed one sack so far this season. Denver's creating pressure on only 13.5% of their plays at this moment. Again, going back to the defense, just not being quite where it needs to be. That's the second lowest rate in the NFL, tied for the second lowest rate. I just don't know if the Dolphins start to get moving. And I know we're obviously looking at, you know, questionable uh, play from... Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, both of them are dealing with injuries right now. So that is something to keep an eye on there. But I feel like Tyreek Hill is going to be set to play. Uh, I not 100% sure on Jalen Waddle. That concussions is obviously always a weird one. So that's one we're going to have to just kind of wait and see. But I think at least one of those two guys is going to be there for that game on Sunday. And if it's Tyreek Hill, I mean, Tyreek Hill does what Tyreek Hill does. And that's just get open more consistently than it feels like any wide receiver in the NFL. I have a hard time picking the Broncos in this one. I'm going to go Dolphins. I have them winning 31-23. I think the Dolphins' defense, at times, they let things get by them. So I think there might be like an opportunity for Denver to maybe put up a few more points than you would have expected in this game here. But I do like them winning 31-23 over the Broncos. Give me the Dolphins. Comfortable win. Big AFC matchup here. Kind of a must-win game for the Denver Broncos if they for because this is a team that's a, supposed to be aspiring for the playoffs and a would be a massive victory for the Dolphins in their hopes of trying to keep a stranglehold on the top seed in the AFC. I like the Dolphins. Next game we're looking at here, we have ourselves the Chargers taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Two teams that basically seem like they don't want to win football games and I kind of looked at this as the who wants to lose more kind of matchup here I spent quite a bit of time going through just about everything I could to decide on a winner in this game here and I've got to say I'm no more confident in my pick now than when I was when I sat down to kind of go over this game here specifically there is the potential that Austin Eckler winds up missing this game. He's still been missing practices and something just based off what I've been reading about him. It sounds like we're not going to see him in this game. Barring some surprise, I think there's a shot that he misses this game here. Now, if he does play, I feel like that really swings the favor into the Chargers direction. However, Vikings did try to address their horrid run game issues that they're dealing with right now as they are currently 32nd in the NFL, averaging just 34 yards her game on the ground by grabbing Cam Akers from the Los Angeles Rams. So there is that with a kind of like a wild card addition now for the Minnesota Vikings to maybe help improve that run game. I, listen, this is my least confident matchup. The line is currently minus one Vikings. So obviously plus one Chargers. I don't think anyone's really sitting here going either one of these teams has a clear cut advantage. 
I do feel like there's going to be a lot of scoring. I think this will be an exciting and fun game to watch, a horse race, if you will. I'm going to go with the Vikings. I think they get the big W, 31-30. to 30. I think the addition of Cam Akers might do their offense some good. Uh, as long as the Vikings just protect the football, I feel like I've said that for two weeks in a row now, if they can just protect the football, because they are the worst team in turnover differential right now at minus six, if they can just stop turning the ball over, they're a good team. They are a few fumbles away from actually being 2-0. If they can just protect the ball, I think they have a good shot of winning this football game, especially against a Chargers defense that can't really seem to stop a nosebleed. Next game we're looking at is going to be the Patriots heading into the Meadowlands to take on the New York Jets in an AFC East divisional matchup. A must-win game, I would say, for the New England Patriots as the Jets continue to try to hold on and survive minus Aaron Rodgers after his awful Week 1 injury. Now, this game really is one of those do-or-die situations for the New England Patriots. If they start out 0-3, I have a really hard time believing that this team is going to find their footing and find their way into the playoff race. I- I'm, I've got to say, for the Mac Jones doubters, he's looked a lot better this year, and he is definitely not the issue they're dealing with right now. It really is just, it feels like the lack of talent that they have, especially on the offensive side of the football. They don't have that premier explosive guy, and I really think it's starting to hurt them. Whereas you look at the defense, and I feel like there's talent kind of littered everywhere in some capacity one way or another. Christian Gonzalez looks like a massive hit. The defense altogether has just looked really, really good. On top of that, you of course have Bill O'Brien leading the way calling all the plays for the offense. The, everything looks a lot better. It's just boiling down to the lack of talent on the offensive side of the football. That's the final thing that this team really seems to need to get over the hump. Whereas you have the Jets, they're coming in, a ferocious defense, one that'll make life hell for any offense that is not prepared for this type of matchup here. But then it's backed up by an offense that's led by Zach Wilson, who looks unfortunately no better than he did last year this is really a game that it's it's probably not going to be pretty defenses are probably going to win this matchup here and it's really going to come down to just who gets forced into making more mistakes and for me personally I just I really feel like I can't bet on Zach Wilson over Mac Jones at this point I think that Mac Jones can at least take care of the football better than Zach Wilson will, who feels like he's prone to to make a big mistake or two at least a game. I hate that for the kid. I hate the situation he's in right now, but I have a really hard time betting on the Jets in just about any game going forward against any team that has at least like a really good coach and some decently talented defenses. I just feel like the offense is going to hold them way too far back, whereas if the Patriots can just find ways to move the ball on offense in their situation, they can score. Whereas you look at the Jets and it's like you're hanging on for dear life, just hoping that you're not turning the football over and that you can find any sort of anything to be to be like turned into a decent play to keep the offense moving and keep the defense off the field. So I think I'm going to go with the Patriots on this one here. I think it's going to be a big victory. You couple all of what I just said with the fact that you're also dealing with uh, Brees Hall is currently listed as questionable for the game right now. John Franklin Myers is also so you have Mekhi Becton and Dwayne Brown. I mean, injuries and just the quarterback play aside, I'm leaning a lot more towards New England on this one. So give me the Pats, 17-13, not a pretty game by any means. Definitely one that I don't think a lot of people are going to want to watch unless you're invested in either of the two teams playing here. 
Next, we look at the Buffalo Bills heading into Washington to take on the surprise of the NFL. I would say the Washington Commanders 2-0 coming into this game here and 1-0 at home going up against the Buffalo Bills who dropped their first game on the road to those same Jets we were just talking about a minute ago. I've got to say... This one kind of smells like a potential upset. So that is definitely a feeling I have while previewing this game and looking at everything. However, there is something to consider. Now, the Commanders, obviously, especially defensively up front, very, very talented unit. They're able to wreak havoc, get to the quarterback, create pressure like the best in the NFL. But their two wins are over the Cardinals and the Broncos. And I feel like that's something you have to keep in mind when looking at this Washington Commanders team. I don't want to take away from them being 2-0, but their opponent level has not necessarily been that difficult. You can't really say that same thing for the, or you can really say the same thing in a sense for the Buffalo Bills as well, because they played a Jets minus Aaron Rodgers, and they also just played the Raiders last week, who do not look too great themselves. However, I was more convinced looking at the Buffalo Bills bounce back game last week than I am over the two victories we've seen from the Commanders to this point. Now, I will say this if that defensive front of the Commanders can get to Josh Allen, put him under pressure, and help out the secondary, especially a young guy like Emmanuel Forbes, if you're giving him the time he needs, which is as short as possible to lock down whoever he needs to lock down. Maybe it's the Stephon Diggs or whoever else they got lining up across from him. Dalton Kincaid's been playing a lot of snaps as well. Dawson Knox, whoever he winds up lining up against. I don't know if the commanders, or excuse me, the Bills, could handle Josh Allen kind of getting into that situation where if he's under pressure, under duress, you know, uncomfortable in the pocket, and he starts throwing some of those wild picks or just making poor decisions, if the Bills can survive that. This defense in Washington is really good. However, the defense in Buffalo is also very good. And if it really comes down to, I really think, the offensive line of the Buffalo Bills and the defensive line of the Washington Commanders. Whoever wins that battle, I think, wins this game. I'm going to go with Buffalo for this one here. It feels like what we got last week is more on the along the lines of what this Buffalo Bills team is supposed to be like as opposed to how they looked in week number one. I'm hoping that somebody got into Josh Allen's ear following that week one loss, and they told him, you know, if the play's not there, slide. If Don't force things. You know, it, it, I know there was a lot of conversation about him maybe falling in love with himself and the things that he's gotten away with and uh, being as talented as he is. But I think if he plays a cleaner game, the offensive line can just protect him a little bit against what is a stout defensive front in Washington, you have a shot. So I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills. I think the talent level on offense might be a little bit higher. I also don't, as for as fun as it has been watching Sam Howell, I don't know if I can take Sam Howell over Josh Allen if I was to weigh these two teams offensively. So with good quarterback play, you're going to count on your offensive line to make things at least a little bit easier for Josh Allen. Need a solid running game. Balance out the offense a bit. I do think the Bills can get the win, but I think it's going to be close. I have the Bills 26-20. to I don't think they're going to run away with the game. I think this is one that comes down to just Sam Howell just not being quite there yet to be able to take down a team that's like an AFC contender for the Super Bowl-type level of offense. And Again, their two wins are over the Cardinals and the Broncos. Wins are obviously impressive in the NFL, but you do have to consider who those two wins were against and also how close they were. 
Next matchup we're looking at, we have ourselves the Texans taking on the Jaguars. And this one has to be a bounce back game for the Jaguars. I always say this about the Houston Texans, especially when it comes to AFC South rivalry matchups. They always play those teams tight and aggressive, and they fight till the very end. So this is not one that, like, I'm looking at the minus nine line for the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game here. While that is possible, don't be too surprised if the Texans hang on and it's like a one-score game by the very end. I actually am going to go ahead. I'm just going to jump right out on this one here. I have the Jaguars winning 27-19 to just because I, this is going to be a year for the Texans to really figure themselves out and find out who they are. C.J. Stroud has been passing the ball all over the football field. It feels like the run game has kind of suffered over in Houston because of that. They've been very, very pass-happy with D'Amico Ryans as head coach now. They're only averaging about 62 yards a game on the ground, which has killed Damian Pierce in fantasy. I know that. But I do think that a little bit more balance for this offense might ultimately help the Texans, and I'd be curious to see if maybe after two weeks now, if they're looking back and seeing, okay, we're not really running the football effectively or enough. Maybe we should try to do that. Uh Maybe you see a little bit more of a balanced offense, and I think a more competitive type of Texans team, but I do think the Jaguars get the win in this one here. They're the vastly superior team. Clearly, the betting favorite, the, the, the betting people think that the Jaguars are the vastly superior team in this matchup here, but I have the Jaguars. 27-19, don't be surprised if the Texans kind of hang in there in this AFC South matchup. They tend to usually do so against their division rivals. Next up, we're looking at the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Baltimore Ravens here. And this is a really interesting matchup here, but I don't necessarily know if we're going to be getting Anthony Richardson for the Colts this week. And if not, that's going to kind of spell doom for this Indianapolis Colts team. Not to say that, you know, you should be writing off Gardner Minshew because he's a guy who can win you some games and he can play solidly well. He's not going to kill you in any sort of matchup. I feel like he's, he does a good job of being a game manager as a backup quarterback, as a guy who can step in and fill in when needed. However, you got a Baltimore Ravens defense that has been slaughtering teams so far through this year. Love what they're doing, especially against the run, shutting things down. And I'll be curious to see how this Colts run defense handles what is a wildly effective, and I know they're missing J.K. Dobbins, and now Justice Hill is even on the injury report as well, but they still have Gus Edwards. So, I mean, no matter what happens to the Ravens running back room, it always feels like there's another guy next up to fill in the shoes. I'm more concerned about just is Anthony Richardson going to play for the Colts side? And if he's not, how does this offense look? And I'm kind of feeling like because Anthony Richardson has been out for pretty much practice for pretty much all the practice so far to this point this week, I'm having a hard time buying in to the Colts winning this matchup here. So give the Ravens the victory here. I do think they can hang 24-20. If Anthony Richardson by some miracle does play, that'll be awesome. But I'm just, I'm kind of erring on the side that he's not going to. Up next, as we move into the later window of games, we are looking at the Carolina Panthers heading into Seattle to take on the Seahawks. The Panthers losing again last week, falling to 0-2 to their division rival New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football, are struggling on offense, whereas you look at the Seattle Seahawks fighting their offense last week, but defensively these first few games of the season not looking too great. They're averaging 30 points a game allowed so far, which is ranked for 29th in the league. I mean, it just feels like they're letting everyone get into the end zone. I will say this for what it's worth Carolina has at least kept themselves in the matchup I think a lot closer than people have expected these first couple of weeks but it's very clear that they're working with a rookie quarterback that's dealing with some growing pains for all the hype that was around Bryce Young and how ready he was it's definitely been 
a little bit of a a little bit of a struggle, I would say. That's what the offense of the Carolina Panthers kind of looks like at this point right now. You obviously have Miles Sanders there. Adam Thielen's been a nice security blanket for him, so there is that. But the offensive line has been kind of so-so to this point here, and they're just struggling to move the football through the air. They are the 32nd-ranked team in the NFL right now, averaging about 133 yards a game. If they can just get their quarterback and their wide receivers on the same page, this team could be a lot more effective because they're they're ninth in the NFL when it comes to rushing. And you're going up against a Seattle Seahawks defense, like I said, that kind of just lets everyone move the ball, at least from what it's looked like so far this season. And you're going to probably have a good shot to get yourself into the end zone. But I do think that the Seahawks just overall far more talented. I think they're a little bit further along than the Carolina Panthers are, at least at this point. And you have to think the Panthers did just lose Shaq Thompson last week during their game against the Saints for probably the season now. I would be a little bit concerned about just what this defense is going to look like without a guy like him who's been like a leader for that defense for the last few years now. I like the Seahawks getting the victory in this game here, and I have them winning 28-14. to 14. Um, I, I'm looking at the spread on this one here, and it's minus 6 Seattle, and I honestly think that's kind of low, just because when you look at these two teams and just the scoring, points per game for the Panthers, 13.5, 30th in the NFL. For the Seattle Seahawks, they're sitting at 25. I just don't really know how you can expect the Carolina Panthers, if the Seahawks look like they did last week, to be able to keep up with the Seahawks. There's nothing that's indicated that this offense could just shift into that next gear and push anything beyond like 17 points in a game. So not really sure where that line came from. If you're a betting guy, I would say looking at that Seattle Seahawks minus six, pretty comfortable pick. Next game we're diving into, though, we have the Chicago Bears taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I've got to say, the drama surrounding Chicago right now is pretty wild. Uh, between the Allen Williams situation and on top of that, you have Justin Fields basically blaming coaching for the issues that he's been dealing with and then having to come back and basically like backtrack on it all. There is an awful lot going on. And then you couple that all in with the fact that there were very high expectations for this team coming into the season. A lot of people were saying that this could be the Bears' opportunity to, you know, reign in the NFC North. And now here we are with them 0-2, defensive coordinators out, and Justin Fields is blaming coaching. Now, I don't know if any of that spells recipe for success or not to you. It doesn't to me. And Kansas City getting back on the right foot, getting Chris Jones back, getting Travis Kelsey looked much better last week offensively I wouldn't say much better but they looked more like themselves and especially the defense with as threatening as Kansas City is now looking defensively uh I don't really know how the Chicago Bears could potentially come out winners in this game it would be a massive upset if the Bears somehow found their way into the W column following this game here I will note that the Chiefs do have some questionable injury concerns you have Legereus Sneed their cornerback you also have Willie Gay and Nick Bolton dealing with some issues right now but even with those guys out I just don't really know how you could still pick against the Chiefs in this one. So I'm going to go Kansas City. The line is minus 13. And that's another one that honestly seems kind of believable. That is a wildly high number to be betting on if you're somebody that likes to bet the spread. Uh, and then the money line is minus 800 for the Chiefs. So, I, I mean, 
this is not really a game you want to bet because you're not unless you're betting like the over which in that case you're betting on the Chiefs just absolutely like molly whopping the Bears because the over under is sitting at 48 and like my final score I have the Chiefs winning 33 to 13 that still only hits 46 and the over under is 48 so you're basically banking on the Chiefs dropping like 40 at, at probably at, at least to be able to get yourself that and then you have to hope that the Bears can maybe find like 10 points in this game I don't really know how this Bears team is going to fare. I do not think it's going to be pretty, though. Next matchup, another one of those. Not really sure how one of these teams could possibly pull out a victory here, but we're looking at the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Arizona Cardinals here, and this is another one. Currently sitting at minus 12 for the Dallas Cowboys, minus 700 on the money line. Over-under is sitting at 43. Uh Maybe the Cardinals find some way to get some points on the board. Their offense kind of exploded last week, but... I don't think that's going to be the case against this Dallas Cowboys defense. I think that they'll be lucky to find themselves even like 10 points at most, something along those lines. I feel like this is another one of those games, especially now that Buda Baker's on the IR as well. Uh, I don't really know how the Cardinals pull off a victory in this game here. There is just nothing that really says here's a weakness in the Cowboys that the Cardinals could exploit. Um, I think that, the only real thing you could look at for the Cardinals is they've surprisingly, surprisingly, or surprisingly is what I'm trying to say. Surprisingly, have been very good at rushing the at rushing the passer. They one of the top teams in the NFL right now in terms of getting down the quarterback, which is not something I was expecting this year by any means. At least, and it's early, I understand that, but not something I would have expected to say at all this year because the amount of losses they took on the defensive line that was a little bit of a surprise to me. But other than that. Give me the Cowboys, 31 to 10. I, I mean, I feel like we're in, in for another whooping by the Dallas Cowboys. This, this will be three weeks in a row where they're just putting the beat down on their opponents and the continued conversation of just how damn good that defense is over there in Dallas. Moving into Sunday night football, as we get close to wrapping up this week's picks, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. This one's going to be in Las Vegas. Both of these offenses have been a bit of a mixed bag, and honestly, I think it comes down to defense for who wins this game here. Pittsburgh were able to overcome a Browns team that kind of looked like they might be able to run away with a game last week, but then losing Nick Chubb kind of killed the offense. I will say... You got to find a way to shut down Josh Jacobs, but as far as you going up against the Raiders passing game, not really too concerned about it. TJ Watt has been an absolute menace so far this season. That pass rush as a whole has actually been really, really good. Alex Highsmith himself is looking like he's worth every dollar he was paid this offseason. It's really going to come down to whose defense is going to be able to create more problems for the opposing offense. And I believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers defense a lot more than I do the Las Vegas Raiders defense. So I am going with the Pittsburgh Steelers on the victory for this game here. I have them winning 23 to 17. Uh, I don't really know if, if we're going to see anything really spectacular from this Raiders offense. If, if we get Steelers defense from last week, as opposed to week one, there's going to be some trouble for Las Vegas in this game. And I just don't really, I, 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 I hate that I say, I feel like I say this every week. I don't believe in what Josh McDaniels has going on over there in Las Vegas. I don't really think Jimmy Garoppolo was the right guy for them to bring in. I understand he knew the system and everything, but just what I've seen from the Raiders through two weeks offensively, it has not been pretty. What do they have? 27 points. They're averaging, yeah, 13 and a half points a game right now. I believe they have 27 total scored on the year. It has not been pretty on offense for the Raiders so far to this point. And then moving into the Monday Night Football doubleheader, and something I want to say on this, I hate this. I do not like Monday Night Football, period. Uh, and I do not, definitely do not 
like Monday Night Football doubleheaders. If we could just stop doing this, I'd be all for it. I hate Monday Night Football. I'm fine with Thursday Night Football. We're getting close to the end of the week. You got one more day, but like Sunday's long already because of all the football I'm watching. But then Monday, worst day of the week, getting back to work and everything. Just like, can we just not do the Monday Night Football thing twice in one night? I think it's a lot, and especially trying to juggle two games at once. I just personally don't like it. Some of you may like it. Give me your thoughts and opinions on that one, but I cannot stand the Monday night football doubleheader stuff we're getting right now. We have Philadelphia taking on Tampa Bay, and this is a battle of two 2-0 teams, and I did not expect to be saying that about this game. That's for sure. Uh, I've got to say, passing-wise, the Buccaneers have been super impressive. They're in the top 10 in the NFL right now, averaging about 243 yards a game. I have been very, very impressed with what we've seen from Baker Mayfield so far. He has really gotten that offense to rally around him and buy into him, and I'm really excited for Baker Mayfield. Defensively, though, is where things have really, really looked good for the Buccaneers. Right now, they're only allowing about 17 points a game, eighth best in the NFL, and I think with the like, struggles we've seen Philadelphia kind of have offensively in terms of just like their offense hasn't looked super, super fluid to this point, and it's very clear they're working with a new offensive coordinator. This is a potential upset game right here. It's currently sitting at minus five on the spread for the Philadelphia Eagles, but this is one where you're in Tampa Bay too. There is a good chance that the Buccaneers might steal a victory in this game here. I don't want to completely write the Bucs off by any means. And on top of that, when you look at the run defense, which is the specialty of Philadelphia, the Buccaneers, second best team in the NFL against the run. They're only behind the Philadelphia Eagles themselves, and they're not a team that really likes to run the football too much anyways. They've been a very pass-heavy team. So if they can slow down the Eagles' run, there is a good opportunity for the Buccaneers to potentially steal one. And you're also looking at a secondary in Philadelphia that is kind of struggling right now with injuries. I will say this, though. At the end of the day, in just pure talent and in my belief for the Philadelphia Eagles, I do think they still sit above Tampa Bay. And while the Buccaneers are 2-0, you your first victory of the season was against a Vikings team that just literally was handing you the football. It felt like at every opportunity possible to throw that game away. And again, I hate taking away from teams, but that is something you have to look at. I think I... I think I buy the Eagles just a little bit more than I do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. Maybe just a little bit more. I am going to go with Philadelphia. I have them winning 26-21. to 21, But this is a game that I would not be shocked at all if Tampa Bay came in and pulled off some wild upset. It is in their home field, so you have that going for you as well. And Tampa Bay going to be all kinds of excited and pumped up for their team, especially in the position that they're in right now that I don't think a lot of people expected them to be in. Tough matchup for the Eagles, but I do think they come out victorious in the end. And then finally, our last game of the week. This one starts an hour after the first game starts. We have the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Bengals are currently sitting at minus three right now, uh, and I really think that's kind of wild. Like, if you're somebody that likes to bet the spread, taking the Rams plus three with a potential of no Joe Burrow this in this matchup is kind of crazy because there's clearly something wrong with Joe Burrow, and it's got to be that calf injury. And if he's questionable to play, I don't think taking plus money on 
the Rams by any means is a crazy idea. If you're a betting person, this one kind of feels like a shoo-in because it's either going to be close in the and maybe the Bengals pull off like a tight victory or Joe Burrow's not playing. And I don't think the Bengals are winning because they're 0-2 with Joe Burrow playing. How are you going to tell me that? I think the backups like Baron Browning is who it might be, comes in and starts for them. How the Bengals are supposed to win with him under center. No offense to Baron Browning, but just like, let's like just trying to be realistic about this all. Plus, you look at the offense that the Rams have been able to put together so far. Been really solid. Puka Nakua is like the talk of the NFL right now with how good he's been as basically like the guy that stepped in for Cooper Cup since he's been gone. If Stafford's protecting the football and you're looking at no Joe Burrow, which even with Joe Burrow, the Bengals are only averaging 212 yards a game anyways... I don't really know how you could pick against the Rams on this one here. And I have them winning 23 to 16. Give them the W. I just, I don't think it's very far-fetched to take a plus three on the Rams in this game by any means. And I honestly think it's probably one of those things where if we find out Joe Burrow's not playing come like Saturday or Sunday, whenever they release that information, that line's going to switch. It's going to move. So get it, get in on plus three, get on the, what is the money line right now? Plus 130. That's... Again, I'm not a I'm not a betting guy by any means, but if I was to place a single bet this week, it's probably on either the spread or that plus three one thirty. I just it feels like a, a really solid bet to me that the Rams are coming out victorious, regardless of who's that quarterback, and especially if Joe Burrow's not there. Never mind the fact that this Rams defense has also been leaps and bounds better than anyone expected. The fifth fifth best pass defense in the NFL right now. Maybe that's a product of who they've played the first couple of weeks, but that is something to keep in mind as well. But those are my picks for week number three of the NFL. I appreciate you if you made it all the way to the end of the video. Make sure you comment down below. Let me know your thoughts and opinions on my picks. Give me your picks. Would love to see what you all think for who's coming out winners this week. But that is it for me. I will see you all next time. Enjoy a good weekend of football and a Thursday night matchup tonight as well. Have a good one.